Welcome one and welcome all to the PFN Fantasy Podcast. I'm Derek Tate, alongside the one and only Kyle Sapi. You can find him on X or Twitter at Kyle Sapi PFN. You can find me at Derek Tate NFL on X. Kyle, we have now. I can just say Kyle. Like I, it, it's weird. I got to get clean, used to isn't this. it? Yeah. A little bit weird, but it's okay. I, I'm going to go back to calling you Soppy because that's what I'm used to calling you. Sure. But, you know, we're, we had a little bit of an interesting game last night between the Los Angeles Chargers, Dallas Cowboys, big win for Dallas. Any kind of like minor takeaway thoughts that you have from that Monday Night Madness? Yeah, Gerald Everett scored a touchdown. You wished it into existence after a month and a half of me trying to do it. You come on here and say he's going to do good for like 30 seconds, and here he is. He catches a design touchdown pass that ties the game late. It's a beautiful thing when you can come to work and be like, hey, Gerald Everett scored a touchdown last night. I haven't been able to do that in a while. I'm a fan of it. Let's get rolling into an even better Week 7. You know, Gerald Everett's touchdown celebration it, they may have well just photoshopped your face on, on top of his head with him <laughs> there's going that like meme this. lady <laughs> yeah <laughs> so no it's a, a lot of fun I mean, so we got a, a great episode we're going to be talking trade targets as we do every tuesday here on the pngfn fantasy youtube channel if you have not yet done so this is your first time coming across our youtube channel go ahead and hit the like button so pay homage to lord algorithm subscribe to the youtube channel and make sure you click that bell so you get the ding 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 every single time we drop a new bit of video content here on the pfn fantasy youtube channel and of course if you're listening via podcast via an audio outlet go ahead and subscribe rate and review our podcast give us a five-star review we really appreciate all the love and support as we continue to see the pfn fantasy youtube channel grow as we progress through the 2023 nfl season of course you can also go over to profootballnetwork.com you can check out our pfn trade analyzer so when we're bringing up these names that we want to go ahead and try to either sell high buy low or vice versa you can go ahead and plug those players into the trade analyzer it is one of our fantastic tools, and by the way, it's free. So go ahead, bookmark it, and run your trades through our trade analyzer. Now, let's, before we jump into our top trade targets for heading into week seven of NFL action, Sapi, who are some of the rest of season risers, fallers? We'll start with your riser. Who is your number one riser heading into week seven and beyond? Yeah, I think it's got to be Jonathan Taylor. I mean, we didn't see a massive day when it comes to fantasy output, but after he returned in week five, Zach Moss has a career day, and then they split the work the following week. That tells me that there's nothing Zach Moss can do to hold on to this role, that they are destined to give it back to Jonathan Taylor quick and in a hurry. And it's, if that's going to happen, behind an offense that's going to be with their backup quarterback arguably the rest of the season, Jonathan yeah. Taylor is like a top 12 guy moving forward. I don't have a problem ranking him almost with where you did preseason before we thought that any of this was a problem he looks like the feature back sooner than later does it happen in week seven maybe not week seven but before we get to thanksgiving he's certainly going to be the lead in indy so that's he's rising up my ranks just given that they're they're not willing to commit to zach moss even after a monster day so just real quick thoughts and concerns you brought up anthony richardson it looks like there is a chance that he could be done for the entire rest of the 2023 season which kind of changes the the outlook of the entire mm -hmm. offense because of what he brings as a dual threat option under center. So obviously maybe some positive touchdown potential uh, for Jonathan Taylor, but he was only the running back 21 in week six. And we saw Gardner Minshew really struggle. Do you feel as if while there may be, you know, some more scoring opportunities for, for Jonathan Taylor, 
Do you feel as if the efficiency and scoring opportunities are going to drop now with Gardner Minshew under center for the foreseeable future? They could a little bit. I mean, we saw the involvement in the past game for both he and Moss. So if he soaks up that wide rec- or that running back one role, you could be looking at a pretty versatile role here that gets him 20 touches a week. You mentioned the scoring potential. Like Richardson's not – Minshew's not going to take away – the, t- the touchdown equity the way Richardson does so I'm I'm on board there with there we've seen JT score in the past he had the 40-yard catch last week to show us some as a whole okay okay so I'm with you I hear you I'm gonna go ahead and bring up a name and you tell me what you think and I know that this team's gonna be heading into their buy into week seven but I'm still bumping him inside my top 15, really, until further notice. And that is the kiss stealing, woo, wheeling, dealing. Adam Thielen, the wide receiver for the Carolina Panthers. Look, Soppy, I get it. He's, what, 33 years old. He's got a rookie quarterback throwing him the football. I get it. It's not an exciting offense. There's times where I feel like he, Adam Thielen really struggles to separate against you know, top-level corners, but the volume has been there. He's just had one finish outside of the top 20 at the wide receiver position throughout the entire six games that we have gotten. It's a a proven sample size at this point. So am I crazy for saying that he needs to be right around wide receiver 15 moving forward? I, I understand the offense is not very exciting, but the fact that they keep falling behind and Bryce Young keeps having to throw the ball to try to keep them competitive as they're falling behind by multi scores almost in, in nearly every second half so far this season. So I'm just kind of curious, you know, where's the data points that say that Thielen shouldn't be inside the top 20, if not the top 15 at the wide receiver position on a weekly basis. Yeah, if I was going to make the anti-case, it would be more depth at the position than anything against what Thielen does or what the Panthers have done. We thought they were going to be run-heavy to open the season, and that's what they want to be, but they can't stay competitive in these games. They scored early on Miami and still couldn't keep that thing close. So I I think you're on the right track here. Thielen definitely moving up the ranks. It's just a matter of how high. Uh, Let me throw some names at you. Puka Nakua or Adam Thielen the rest of the way? Adam Thielen right now. The the volume is just there. And I get that they, you know, that it's a much more pass happy offense in Los Angeles, but you know, Thielen is seeing double digit targets. It feels like every single week, week in, week out, like book it. And we saw for the first time, and maybe we'll talk about Puka Nakua a little bit later. We saw Puka's, you know, historical amount of target volume that he was getting the first four weeks of the season has dipped a little bit. Um, So yeah, moving forward, I actually feel more comfortable with Thielen as my wide receiver two, low end wide receiver one uh, over Puka Nakua. All right. We'll go even a little further up the ranks into my faller for the rest of the season ranks. Would you rather Adam Thielen or Devonta Smith the rest of the way? Right now, Adam Thielen feels yeah. like he has a safer floor. And I understand – I under look, I understand Smitty plays in an explosive offense. I still haven't been overwhelmed by what I've seen from Jalen Hurts wow. under center as a pure passer so far this season. And, I, and I'm not saying that he's not capable. Of course he is. But, you know, Smitty even had a big drop against the New mm. York Jets that would have been like a, potentially like a, a 30 or 40-yard score, if not a huge chunk play. But – Right now, they're just not clicking, and he's going to have these spike weeks. He's going to be volatile, and we've seen that from the Eagles' offense and pass catchers. Same thing with the 49ers. I just don't – 
I don't feel like anybody is truly threatening Thielen's volume on a week-in, week-out basis in that wide receiver room. Yeah, can't argue with that. I, that one's more of a roster construction kind of thing. If you feel safe in the rest of your roster, then give me Smith, and I'll take the upside right. and swallow the downside. But if, you're, if you've got like a Debo Samuel or you're counting on some volatile guys already, Adam Thielen, is there a safer guy? Like you've got Stefan Diggs at the way top of the board here as far as stability every week, week in, week out. Cooper Cup's the same way. But after that, like is there a guy that you can count on for 12 to 15 points more often than Adam Thielen? I don't, I don't think there is. Right now, it seems as if that he is firmly planted. And the way that they're even using him in that offensive system is just, it's manufacturing targets. It's manufacturing looks. It's a role that he feels very comfortable in. And Bryce Young clearly has a connection with him. And even if Bryce Young's not in the lineup, Andy Dalton also put up a pretty good Mm -hmm. week with him. So Thielen has been oddly quarterback proof through the first six games of the 2023 season. But I'll digress. I'm going to actually jump into my rest of the season fuller. And it's someone that fell right in that same range with Devontae Smith heading into draft season. And that was like that back end of the second round, early third round, T. Higgins. Um, T. Higgins got back on the football field. I understand that there was some potential for a limited snap count or a pitch count, whatever you want to call it. But the bottom line is the bottom line. Four games outside of the top 75 at the wide receiver position this year. And there's been a couple games where he's been healthy and put up duds. Mm -hmm. So I understand that he's been dealing with a rib injury. I I get it. I understand he's not 100%. And do I expect better days, hopefully ahead, for this Cincinnati Bengals offense? Sure. But we just haven't seen it with Higgins healthy or banged up so far this year. He's kind of moving outside of my top 24 until further notice. Yeah, I don't disagree. I mean, it's one of those guys that has to earn his way back in. Not Not to say he can't. He certainly can't. But I've got him in like a Michael Pittman role. It's like, what's Michael Pittman? The volume is there, but the upside kind of lacks right now. Higgins, he's all over the place. We get the volume on these dud weeks. We saw the 0 for 8 to open the season. He had a 2 for 8 game in there. There is just a lower floor than I thought any of us assumed coming into the season. So I'm with you there. Although I, I'm moving him down, but I'm not killing him, if that makes sense. Like I'm, I'm willing to see something and see growth and see health. But yeah, he has to move down right now. How far did you move down Devontae Smith out of curiosity? He's right around 15, so right, that's why I was asking about the Adam Thielen spot. He's outside the top. Uh, he's no longer a fringe wide receiver one. He's still a wide receiver two for me because of the upside, the single play upside for him and that offense as a whole. I think you can only downgrade him so much as long as he's healthy, but he just hasn't done it right now. I mean, we 11 targets last week, and there was seven fantasy points. Yeah, it's not going to get it done. Not going to get it done. Speaking of getting it done, though, Your fantasy football team, right now we're nearing the halfway point of most fantasy football leagues, which means you have a pretty good idea of where your team kind of falls. Are you a contender? Are you middle of the road? Are you in desperate need of trying to shake things up real quick? That's what we're going to try to help you do. No matter where you are, you want to go ahead and try to play the market right now. So let's go ahead and start talking trade targets. We'll start at the running back position. Soppy, who's your number one running back to buy heading into week seven? I had my trepidation coming into the season, and don't get me wrong, I still have some concerns, but Aaron Jones, to me, we've got the bye week in the past now, and the Packers, in theory, we'll see what what happens here, but they should have a full complement of healthy weapons for the first time this season. That's, that's optimistic to me. A.J. Dillon, only three yards per carry, so it's not like he earned an increased role with Jones on the shelf, with Jones working his way back off the bye week. He gets that friendly goodness matchup in the Denver Broncos. I get that they looked better last week. 
miss me with that. We've seen five bad weeks and one good one. I'll take the five over one in terms of sample size. So Aaron Jones, a nice buy for me considering in the he ends the regular season. Panthers, Vikings, Bears, not too bad if he can round into form at the right time. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm on board with going to get Aaron Jones right now. I mean, his running back one overall finish in the season opener feels like a distant memory. It feels like it happened in 2022. <laughs> it's how long ago it feels like. So, uh, you know, while the Packers offense certainly has what I think regressed, struggled, however you want to mm-hmm. phrase it, over the last uh, two games heading into their bye, you have to expect – a healthy Aaron Jones would certainly help this offense uh, across the board and help a young quarterback kind of get back on track. So my number one running back to target to buy, and I'm not saying he's going to be cheap, but it's Austin Eckler. Eckler first game back from an ankle injury, missing three straight after his season opener and only a running back 25 finish. And for me, you're not going to see a game like that from Austin Eckler very often where he kind of struggles. It's like what, you know, only 27 yards rushing on 14 carries. I I mean, not to say that he's always been an efficiency monster on the ground, but I do expect him to be better than (laughs) 1.9 yards per carry. And then where I'm really encouraged more so is if Justin Herbert's having trouble pushing the ball down the field, he doesn't have Mike Williams. I know that Joshua Palmer looked good, but the splits last season when either Keenan Allen or Mike Williams were out of the lineup bode very well for Austin Eckler's involvement in the passing game. He set a career high last year in targets. I still think that that continues to be the case. He's going to be heavily involved in the passing game like he has been his entire career. He'll have better efficiency days against a defense that's not the Dallas Cowboys. I understand that a lot of people are going to probably be hesitant and they're going to want to charge a premium, but if you can get him at even a mild discount, I would start – throwing out offers to try to go get Austin Eckler. I think that's a good point. These aren't guys that you have to get for 10 cents on the dollar. Like if you're paying 80 cents on the dollar for Austin Eckler and you think he's going to return what we thought he would in August, like that's still a bargain. You're still getting a 20% discount. That's worth it. I like where you're headed here. You don't play the Cowboys every week coming off of an, off of an injury. And we saw like, Derek Carr in New Orleans, he struggled with the injury. What did he do? 13 catches for Alvin Kamara. So if you're right and Herbert isn't right, then I I think you're right. We could be seeing 20 touches from one of the game's best. So moving on to a running back to sell. Soppy, you've always had some spicy sells. So I'm I'm interested to hear where you go at the running back position. Who's a running back to sell heading into week seven? Yeah, and it it might be obvious, but I'm not sure that makes it wrong. Raheem Moster, I mean, off of the monster game, we've already seen him do this a few times. But, I mean, word came out from Schefter during the week that A-Chan's not looking at an extended stay on the IR. So you're looking at three more weeks there. Jeff Wilson's supposed to be back this week. Tua and this offense is going to get rolling through the air. To me, you're just playing a numbers game. I don't know how many touches he's going to get when it matters most for fantasy managers. And it's a tough, a tough schedule to end the season. He goes Titans, Jets, Cowboys, Ravens. That's a tough run out. Yes, he offers high upside. Yes, he could score. But those touchdowns are going to be divvied up three ways. Jeff Wilson is going to be involved. We, you can't keep HN off the field when he's healthy enough to, do, to get on there. Mostert right now scoring once every eight and a half touches. That's a f- 43% higher than Christian McCaffrey this season. That's not going to sustain. The offense is great. I get that. But you, you could charge a top 10 running back price, if not top five for him right now. I go ahead and cash in that chip. I get where you're coming from. It's just so hard it is. to part ways with a guy. 
has right now 11 touchdowns through the first six games of the season. Soppy. So I, I guess, would you trade Raheem Mostert for Austin Eckler right now? Yeah. Yeah, I would. I mean, you're looking forward, not backward. Like that's fantasy's looking through the windshield, not the rear view. And that I think moving forward, that's the move to make. And, and you could probably pull it off. The Austin Eckler manager isn't going to be overwhelmed with what he saw last night. He, he shouldn't be. He or she shouldn't be. And Mostert's jumping off the screen right now. Everything he does, because he's doing it so consistently every single week, but this situation's going to change with Wilson and HN back in the mix. So yeah, I very much pull the trigger on that deal. I guess I'll bring up one other name before moving on. Like, where do you draw the line? Is it is it Saquon Barkley? Is it, you know, like uh, Jonathan? I don't think you're trading Raheem Mostert right now for Jonathan Taylor, although I find it to be an interesting trade because if you are bumping Jonathan Taylor close to where you had him preseason rankings mm-hmm. and you want to sell high on Raheem Mostert, is it something where you'd want, you know, like Jonathan Taylor plus another like wide receiver three or something like that to make that type of deal to get Mostert off of your roster? And I think that's a perfect way to do it. Find a guy that's a little lower in the ranks like Jonathan Taylor for some right now. There's other people for other managers. But if you can do that and increase the rest of your roster, like would you be shocked if Jonathan Taylor outdid Raheem Mostert the rest of the way? I don't think you would. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I'm not saying it won't happen. And if you're going to go that route, and you get a Gabe Davis, or you get a Jordan Addison alongside that you could potentially flex, you are bumping up the upside of your roster without really compromising the floor if you think the two running backs can be near equal the rest of the way. Gotcha. So I'm going to go ahead and say Ramondre Stevenson is my running back to sell. (laughs) And I I think we mentioned it on the Trade Targets podcast last week that as soon as Ramondre Stevenson has a big game, he's going to appear on this list. And, uh, yep, I'm taking that opportunity right now he finishes the running back six problem is he's finished outside of the top 30 in three of the six games that the Patriots have played this year and the reason why the efficiency on the ground isn't there it still was a little bit better but still not great he only had what 10 carries for 40 yards and a score like Z, Z he did punch one in which you know bumped up and fluffed up those fantasy numbers probably took him from like a like a someone that finishes in the teens all the way up to the running back six for the week and Zeke still saw seven carries and was right behind him. It it was that pass catching floor that we have seen from Stevenson in the past that also reappeared, but it hasn't been consistent. So I'm just looking for an opportunity to get out of this Patriots offense. And if you invested a second round pick in Stevenson and you can get low end running back one slash high end running back two value, I'll take that right now because he's constantly somebody that is, appearing outside of my top 25 in the fantasy weekly rankings yeah i'd go even lower than that if you can get 75 cents on the dollar for what you paid and maybe now is the right time to do it not only coming off the big week but with six teams on a buy you could run into a team that's desperate right for some lineup help right now if they're one in four one in five and they can't or two and four and they can't you know, withstand another loss. Maybe they're willing to pay up for Stevenson this week just to get a body in that lineup. He's a top 20 running back for me this week. And that's nothing to say about Stevenson. It's just the state of the position in week seven. Yeah. I I, I keep having to do the math every time I want to give up a a losing record. Like we move on another week. I'm like, okay, now I have to make sure it's a record that reflects six games played all that. Nonetheless, I'm bad at math, but so go ahead and make sure that you listen to this because I've got a script, so I can't screw this up. The NFL season keeps rolling, which means that we get to talk about some really cool, exciting new exclusive offers. Underdog Fantasy is now offering new customers that sign up with the promo code PFN 
or you can just click the link in your description, a deposit match of up to $500. 500 plus a mystery Pick'em special in the Pick'em lobby to use right from the get-go. All you have to do is click the link in your podcast or show description, sign up, make your first deposit for access, and you will find the special player you got right there in the Pick'em lobby. I think you're going to want to go ahead and take advantage of that, so sign up now with the code PFN and take advantage of this ridiculously awesome offer today. Now, let's move on to the trade targets at the wide receiver position. Kasapi, you got a spicy one. I feel it. I can feel it. Who's your wide receiver to buy heading into week seven? Well, we spoke Gerald Everett into existence last week. I'm going to keep trying to do it with Rasheed Rice, and he's going to keep being on this podcast until he just blows up because it's coming. The 75% catch rate for the season, the snaps are ticking up. This is an offense I want to invest in. There's no secret there. Patrick Mahomes, kind of good at football, puts the Chiefs in a good spot to score. And Rasheed Rice, it's clear that he's comfortable going that direction. I get that the targets and the snaps are middling to say the least, but he's going to work into a bigger role. This is the type of guy you want on your roster that you can acquire at a reasonable price now that's going to peak down the stretch of the season. We see it with rookie receivers. They get better as the season goes, as the quarterback gets comfortable with them. You're looking at a guy with 148 yak yards and 151 air yards. That tells me he's getting the ball in his hands and he knows what to do with it. In a Mahomes-led offense where targets are valuable, give me Rasheed Rice. I'm going to keep buying him and keep... I've got a portfolio here. We just keep dumping money into the Rasheed Rice fund. I'm going to keep doing it until he goes off. And then I'm going to hold it because this isn't going anywhere. Rasheed Rice, a nice option to buy now. So I remember when you brought up Rasheed Rice's name two weeks ago and he ended up finding the end zone against the Minnesota Vikings, I think it was. Mm -hmm. I kind of started to get on board with it. You watch the Chiefs game. While, yeah, he's not seeing a dominating snap share, neither did Kadarius Toney last year. But when he's on the football field, they were making it a point (laughs) to get him the football, right? And uh, clearly he has some sort of connection and chemistry and the trust of Patrick Mahomes pretty early in his rookie season. I've certainly seen way more encouraging signs from Rasheed Rice as a rookie than I saw from Sky Moore. Oh, yeah. So I'm on board with Rasheed Rice being somebody that I'm very intrigued to see how his role expands as we progress through the season. Now, the San Francisco 49ers offense has been mostly great. Last week, they weren't. (laughs) They were terrible against the Cleveland Browns, and it was really Brock Purdy's worst NFL performance uh, as a starting quarterback by a wide margin. But I think that this presents a a buy window for some of these players, and that includes Brandon Ayuk. And Ayuk still had, like, even a a, a decent stat line of four for 76, considering Mm -hmm. how bad the Niners' passing game was against the Cleveland Browns. But... They're not going to be playing the Cleveland Browns every week. They're not going to be playing in windy conditions every week. They're not going to be kind of having to shuffle on the fly when they lose Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel in the same game against one of the toughest defenses in the NFL. Ayuk has been, I think, the most consistent cog in the passing game for the 49ers. And he even still left some meat on the bone against the Cleveland Browns defense. So I I think better days are ahead for Brandon Ayuk. He has 11 fantasy points, and then the prior week against the Cowboys, only nine. I think this two-game quote-unquote slump kind of presents a nice window to go get Brandon Ayuk. Completely agree. And I'm going to be focusing on that game a little, or that team a little bit later. And for my wide receiver to sell that same game that you mentioned in week six with the Browns and 49ers, I'm, I'm willing to sell Amari Cooper at this point. How much different... Moving forward, realistically, is he then a guy like Garrett Wilson 
Like, I don't have, is there any confidence level you have in this Cleveland quarterback situation, whether it's Deshaun Watson, no. who in theory was cleared to play prior to the bye, yeah. chooses to sit out, has the bye, and somehow can't play the fall? Like, I, I don't know what's going on there. Not that Deshaun Watson's been great this season, but the people behind him have been even worse. Amari Cooper, to me, trending in the direction of Garrett Wilson, where he's a guy, yes, he's the number one alpha target earner. All that stuff's great until it's not, until you have a guy that can't get you the ball, which kind of seems like the situation moving forward for the Bengals. He still offers high-level name value. He had a fine week last week. I think you can cash in this Amari Cooper chip now before it kind of bottoms out. So speaking of quarterback play that could be concerning for a very talented wide receiver, I agree with everything you said about Amari Cooper, and I'm kind of along the same lines of thinking for DJ Moore. While I'm high on DJ Moore if Justin Fields is under center, I'm equally low on DJ Moore if you've got Tyson Badgett or Nathan Peterman under oh, yeah. center. <laughs> so I, I'm definitely, with Justin Fields, his timetable, while it's encouraging they haven't put him on injured reserve yet, I it, it seems as if there's no real definitive timetable as far as when he's going to be able to get back on the football field. So right now, DJ Moore is going to have to rely on a quarterback I don't trust to go ahead and get him the football to give him wide receiver two fantasy value. I think he falls outside of the top 25 pretty easily while Justin Fields is not in the lineup. And kind of similar to Amari Cooper, I think you can sell on face value and name brand value alone at the wide receiver position. So we'll go ahead and train, unless there's anything you want to add about DJ Moore and getting him off your team right now. No, I, I think you're in the right direction here. Until a week ago, you could have told me Tyson Badgett was a local accountant and I would have believed you. So I, I can't in good faith back his number one receiver. So let's go ahead and on that note, transition to the quarterback and tight end trade targets. Uh, Soppy, who is your quarterback to target? It was a weird week, right? It was a, a lot of bad weather, a lot of low scoring games across the league this week. So who is a quarterback that really caught your eye and think you can get off your on your roster uh, that could return on value moving forward? Yeah, it was an ugly week six and a lot of injuries. Like, I don't remember. Look at the week seven schedule and put up quarterback right. versus quarterback. We've got backups all over the place. You've got starters that shouldn't be starting. This is getting ugly quick and in a hurry. And you've been a fan of Brock Purdy. I know we went back and forth last week on that in that specific matchup. Yeah, he got Cleveland. Cleveland did it. That doesn't <laughs> happen every week. You mentioned it. They don't play again this season, to my knowledge. I checked the schedule. They don't. So Brock Purdy is a fine option. We saw him offer a high floor going into that game. So what? You played the best pressure defense in the league. You lost two of your main weapons. It happens. It happens to just about everybody. He's healthy. We think, we hope. He's going to get some pieces back sooner than later. This is still a high upside offense with really minimal floor. I get that maybe we saw floor performance against the Browns last. You're not reliant on deep throws. You're not reliant on, you know, kind of fluky plays. It should be a high floor. Brock Purdy, easy top 10 guy for me this week. Top 15 guy the rest of the year. I, I don't think he's going to be as bad. I, I know he won't be as bad as he was last week. <laughs> so maybe we found the kryptonite to Brock Purdy. It takes losing two of the top playmakers the in the NFL. Defense. It takes it takes rainy conditions. It takes windy conditions. It takes playing the best defense in the league. Look, I will say one thing about Brock Purdy that 
definitely is an elite is his arm strength. Mm -hmm. And when you have trouble gripping the football in windy conditions and you don't have a very strong arm to cut through that wind, it looked like Purdy just, it was kind of the perfect recipe for a disaster cake. And Pur Purdy certainly would tell you himself he, he played his worst game uh, mm -hmm. as a starting quarterback in the NFL. Think better days are ahead. I'm with you there. So I know they're heading into their bye, which is why I'm going to go ahead and bring this name up because at the quarterback position, there has been one guy that has given me something to be encouraged about over the last two weeks, and that's the Cincinnati Bengals quarterback, Joe Burrow. I don't have to t sell you on Joe Burrow. He's an MVP candidate when he's right. Um, you know, they're heading into their bye. I imagine that not only he's going to be healthier, maybe T. Higgins gets a little bit healthier, and everything starts to kind of come together after the bye week. Right now, if a, if a team invested a high draft pick in Joe Burrow and they're sitting at two and four or one and five or something like that, and they, they're they staring Burrow not being in their lineup anyway, are they willing to go ahead and sell them for something? I'm at least willing to entertain that as a, a thought process of trying to get an MVP caliber quarterback when he's right onto my roster for the back half of the season. So I like I, I like will go ahead process. and sorry, go ahead. Thoughts on I, I like the thought process. I like the thought process. Your offense just has to be, or your fantasy team just has to be in a pristine spot to pull this off with the bye week this week, then San Fran, sure. then Buffalo. So it doesn't get easy in the short term. But like you said, if you're looking long term, you're looking for Minnesota, Indy, Kansas City, teams like that where they're going to have to score and or can score late in the season, then I'm with you. But understand that it's going to be bumpy out of the gate. It can be a little bumpy in the in the short term, and you also don't have them for their bye week. But I do think better days are ahead for Joe Burrow. So moving to the tight end position, who's your number one tight end to buy uh, and target in a trade? Yeah, I'll make this quick. It's TJ Hawkinson for me. He hasn't scored in four straight, only 125 receiving yards over the last three games. But to me, the tight end position is a lot like you know, love. It's like everything in life. You don't know what you have until it's gone. Some of these fantasy managers that have a guy like Hawkinson and they're worried about him underachieving. They don't really appreciate how bad it can be for us tight end streamers, us skimming the waiver wire on a weekly basis. So maybe they're valuing Hawkinson not quite as highly as they should. And you can get him for 75, 80 cents on the dollar. He's still in the lead option, still the number one option in Minnesota, now that the Jefferson's gone, we're talking to 26% target share last week. I don't see any reason that changes. TJ Hawkinson, nothing short of an elite tight end. So if you don't have to pay that premium, go get him. Yeah, I. speaking of, you know, love, there's a guy that I've loved heading into the season at the tight end position, and I'm still in love with him um, from a fantasy perspective, and that is Sam Laporta. And I know that Laporta didn't have a big game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, only four catches for 36 yards, but he was also dealing with an injury heading into that contest. By the way, Levante David reminded us that he's one of the better cover linebackers mm -hmm. in the NFL because it felt like he was all over Laporta during this entire contest. But another thing that was very encouraging, even with an injury heading into the week, he still played 83% of the snaps and still saw 11 targets. So okay. the volume is still there for Sam Laporta, and that's with Jamison Williams. That's with Amon Ross St. Brown back in the fold. Laporta's here to stay. So if someone is, like, looking to, you know, okay, well, Laporta had a bad game. He's coming back to earth. He's a rookie tight end. I don't believe anymore. Please, I believe, go get Sam Laporta. I think he's the real deal. Number one quarterback to sell, Sapi. Who you got? Yeah, and I, I might get fired. So if I'm not back here next week, you know what happened here. It's because I'm selling two Dolphins in one podcast, but – 
I'm selling Tua. How much higher is his stock realistically going to go? The run game could get on track once they have or get on track. It's already productive, but they could have a three-headed monster back there. I mean, he's averaging nine and a half yards per pass attempt. That is ungodly. That's not going to continue. The same risk that we had this preseason are still there. There's still injury concern, and he still doesn't run. He has more touchdown passes since the beginning of last season than he does rush attempts. Like, this isn't a versatile guy. The weather's going to change. It could flip. My my argument isn't anti-Tua. It's more Tua at this price. What you can get right now, he can't get much better. So his stock is near peaking, and that's when you sell. You sell when a stock is high. You buy when it's low. It's pretty simple. So I'm going that avenue thinking that you can get – you could probably get Joe Burrow in a very, very viable roster piece with him for Tua at this moment, and I, I would do something like that. See, the only thing with the idea that the weather is going to flip – they actually, during the fantasy playoffs, yeah, a lot of home 14, games. 15, 16, they got a lot of home. Right, exactly. They're going to they're gonna be at home in, in South Beach where I don't think the weather is going to be, you know, maybe if it rains or something like that. But, I mean, you know, it, it's not going to be freezing conditions. That's still going to be a pretty fast offense uh, going down the stretch. But I, the injury concerns, the durability concerns are where you pin the tail on the donkey here. It, that's the, that is where you are 100% correct is that, we had concerns about Tua's health being able to hold up. So far, it has held up. And like I mentioned, with one of my breakout guys, Tua being that, because we saw what he could do when he was on the football field, if he could stay on the field, he could be a top-five quarterback. Sure. I understand he doesn't have any sort of – doesn't give you anything, much of anything in the run uh, as far as a dual-threat option, but he doesn't need to when he's tossing the ball all over the yard at the uh, clip that he's doing so far. So I understand, though, why you sell high on Tua um, – you know, certainly he's been fantastic and you can get somebody, uh, you can get a pretty nice piece of, of the puzzle for your fantasy roster if you were to deal to a, if you get the right deal. So uh, number one quarterback for me to sell right now, I'm going to the other uh, end of the spectrum. I have not liked what I've seen from Dak Prescott all year. Dak Prescott just had by far his best fantasy game uh, of the season in comparison to when the rest of the league really didn't have any huge monster passing performances. Part of that production came on a, a, a pass to Tony Pollard. He missed a Tony T Pollard touchdown pass in the fourth quarter yesterday. <laughs> and then he also scored an 18 yard rushing touchdown and had 40 yards on the ground. Look, he's only hit 40 yards on the ground one other time since 2019. That's not a part of his game anymore. He's functional when it comes to being able to extend plays with his athleticism, but he's not somebody that's a real threat, in my opinion, that opposing defenses have to plan for and make sure that he's not dicing you up with zone reads and RPOs and stuff of that nature. So if you have Dak Prescott and somebody is desperate on a buy or any of the slew of injuries at the quarterback position and they're interested in Dak after, after his week six performance, please, I'd sell him in a heartbeat. So that's my that's my sell guy. Now let's move to tight end. Last one as we finish up here. Who's your number one tight end to sell this week? Yeah, I'll stay in the same division and go Dallas Goddard. I think some people are quick to kind of think of him as a tier two, tier three tight end, but he's got one game over 42 receiving yards this year, and that's with Devontae Smith struggling to find his way here. If Smith gets rolling, I don't know how Goddard's going to get there on a consistent basis. He's going to be in my top 10 most weeks, but that's more in it an implication of the position than it is anything I believe in Goddard. He's failed to score in eight of his last nine regular season games, and he has a 49-yard catch this season with a 
pound linebacker guarding him. You remove that, and we're looking at eight yards a catch. You're really, really getting into the Zach Ertz kind of category here where you're walking a thin line when it comes to upside, and the bottom can fall out if Smith gets rolling alongside Brown. To me, Dallas Goddard as a fine sell is like a top six, seven tight end. I much prefer guys like Evan Ingram. You mentioned Sam Laporta, guys like that well ahead of him moving forward. Well, one other thing about uh, Dallas Goddard, we also saw a season high 10 targets for DeAndre Swift out of the backfield. Oh, yeah. So we also know that he's a very, very, very capable dynamic pass catcher out of the backfield that has, you know, he saw four targets in week four, six in week five, and then 10 in week six. So it looks like Swift's involvement in the passing game is starting to expand, which that is not going to be a good thing for like Dallas Goddard or or Devontae Smith with A.J. Brown, kind of, in my opinion, being the true alpha in the passing game there in Philadelphia. So maybe this, my tight end to sell, there's a little bit of fantasy scar tissue. Um, In week week five, I was very, very skeptical about Desmond Ritter's 300-yard passing performance, the first of his NFL career, and 11 targets, seven catches, 87 yards for Kyle Pitts. And then Ritter throws for 300 again in week number six. And, you know, six targets, four catches, 43 yards. But he did find the end zone. And, you know, we saw it on, you know, a a dynamic play from a pass catcher with his type of skill set, which is elite at the tight end position. Kyle Pitts flashing that true elite level ability as far as a pass catching option at the tight end position over the last two weeks. This is where I, I, I'm I'm a little indifferent right now. I it's nice to see Pitts finally getting involved. It's sure. nice to see Pitts being fantasy productive at the tight end position, and that's what I've expected for most of his career. I don't know why I'm hesitating to believe in it because I still don't believe in Desmond Ritter, but at least he is showing signs that he can make Drake London, make Kyle Pitts viable fantasy starters that you don't feel uneasy every week you're rolling them out there so he's shown positive signs it's just there's also Jonu Smith who's involved so it's like is this offense really going to be able to continue to sustain two fantasy tight ends like I don't know the answer to that question definitively Pitts has definitely flashed that ability which makes me feel like there is a sell high window even though it's not that high but there is a sell high window for Kyle Pitts at the moment yeah, I mean, the answer to your question is no. I'll answer that question for you. <laughs> Them sustaining two tight ends. I mean, what is this? The Patriots of a decade, 15 years ago? Like, sustaining two viable tight ends is borderline impossible. So maybe they can do one. It's just a matter of if you pick or choose the right one. To me, this is all a question of it. It comes down to what your trade partner is willing to part with. If you can sell and make the pitch like you just did, that, hey, they're trending up. Desmond Ritter back-to-back 300-yard games, maybe he's like a 5,000-yard passer pace-wise from here moving forward. If you have somebody in your league that's willing to buy that, then go ahead, sell them. I I am not against that idea at all. So as we wrap up here, what is a bold prediction that you have for Week 7? Give me Matty Stafford, first top 10 quarterback finish of of the season for him. You're talking about a high blitz, high pressure Pittsburgh team that encourages you to make quick reads. We've seen Wide receiver one and top pass catchers destroy them all season because they force you to take that first read. And the first read is is usually the ultra talent, the target earner, all that stuff. And you know what? Matthew Stafford has two of them. So if they could go bonkers, 
that could be a, a path for him to be top 10 in an otherwise tough week. He doesn't offer rough, rushing upside, but if he can get Cup and Nakua rolling like he has in the past against a team that's willing to to open up those targets, to me, Matt, Matt Stafford has a shot at the top 10 finish. We'll talk about him again when it comes to DFS on Thursday. Yeah, I like it. I like it this week. And in particular, you mentioned uh, how the Steelers have been torched on the back end by multiple talented pass catchers. Certainly Cooper Cup comes to mind, but also Nakua is a rookie that reads a defense with the same set of eyes as Matthew Stafford. He destroys zone coverages because he understands how to, you know, sit down and become an available option consistently for his quarterback. And we've seen that, um, you know, both Cooper cup and Nakua are fully capable of putting up monster performances. I'm with you there. So as we wrap up here on this trade target episode here on the PFN fantasy YouTube channel, Again, go ahead, hit the like button, subscribe to the YouTube channel, click the bell so you don't miss any of our other fantasy football content and all of our shows that we're going to be dropping as the week progresses and throughout the rest of the 2023 NFL season. Again, you can find Kyle Soppy at Kyle Soppy PFN on X or Twitter. You can find me, Derek Tate, at Derek Tate NFL. Until next time, everybody, good luck. Happy hunting on some of these trade targets. Later, says the tape.